Welcome to Sub, the Scope Unmuzzled podcast, episode 10. Yes, we've reached 10 episodes and I'm actually quite proud of that. I never really expected to get this many episodes out. But here we are. I have brought two new friends to this podcast. No recurring guests this time. Uh, we'll be handling the usual topics of the introduction of our guests. And then afterwards, we have some other topics, which are mental health and treatment, dealing with and giving advice, the furry community, and lastly, we'll be handling stereotypes. If any of these topics sound interesting to you, then please stick around as we tune in to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. So today we have two new guests. We have uh, no recurring guest this time. We have Aki and we have uh, Devin. And they will uh, uh, join this podcast. They've actually not talked to each other for quite a while. So it's kind of like a reunion moment because I haven't talked to Aki in a while. I've talked to Devin in even longer. They haven't talked to each other for a while. So we can kind of catch up on, on things on life and discuss some stories that we have. That'll be fun. So uh, with that, I would like to ask the guest to introduce himself, starting with uh, Devin. Please go ahead. Hello. I'm Devin. Uh, I'm 23. Uh, I live in the United States. Uh, my hobbies are linguistics. Uh, and uh, do a lot of D and D as well as a dungeon master. Mm -hmm. That's nice. It seems like you're a bit nervous as a linguist <laughs> to come out of your words. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I'll let you know. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fine. It's it's like any conversation you have with a person. Uh, you don't have to sweat it. You can just say whatever. This is not like completely censored and you can't say swear words. You can say fuck if you want. Just not in the first, was it like 18 seconds of a YouTube video? We already covered that. So we are past that way, that, that yeah. landmark. So you are free to, to say whatever you want. Uh, anything else to add to that? That should be a good starter, I think. All right. Okay. Then, Aki, please introduce yourself. Uh, hi, my name's Aki. Uh, I am from the United States. I am almost 20 years old. Um, my hobbies include uh, figure collecting. I am an artist. Uh, I play a lot of MMOs, and I also play rhythm games. Uh, otherwise, I just enjoy creating and all that kind of stuff. So what kind of things do you actually create as an artist? Like, do you draw? Do you make um, I, models? I would consider myself, I would consider myself an illustrator. Um, I also like to work with like character design and stuff, but um, I'm a digital artist. I mostly do that. Um, I do build uh, gunpla kits occasionally and work on garage kits for like physical medium. Uh, sometimes I'm a, uh, sometimes I paint. Uh, I used to be a painter. Um, but otherwise I work with like digital mediums. Uh, I've been working, uh, on learning like, uh, more 3d modeling stuff, but pretty much I am a digital artist. Okay. So that's like the broadest term of the word because digital artists can be someone that draws using like Photoshop or some other tool. 
it can be three D artist, yeah. can be someone that makes posters, that makes logos, billboard things, that makes icons. Like I've done that. I've made icons for for Android before. I don't know my DeviantArt. That's also mm-hmm. considered like a you know digital artist. Anything in the digital realm can be considered that. Yeah. I think you have like a... A digital illustrator. Yeah, I think you have a large skill set as well, right? To really do those things. Uh, I would consider. I would consider so, yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, one of the first questions I'm going to start with, and this is going to put you guys on the spot, because before this, I gave you a bit of time to think about your intro. But these other questions, unless you've really watch the podcast from beginning to end. You don't know these questions. Um, first one is, and I'm going to start with you, Aki, because you threw Devin on the bus and, <laughs> on the bus of the last one. Um, how did we met? So how did uh, you and I met? And how did you meet uh, Devin? That's a little bit of a tough question since I don't have like the best memory of, uh, I don't have the best memory, I'd say of how I meet some people. Um, I don't think I genuinely can remember how I've met the two of you guys. It probably was in like oh, random instances. <laughs> it, I did meet I did meet the two of you through VR. I did meet the two of you guys mm-hmm. through VR chat. Um, all the VR chat, pretty much like 95% of the VR chat friends I have, I've met through VR chat. But um, yeah, that's pretty much, I've known, I've known Scope, for i've known you for um almost two years maybe almost two years at at least a year and a half and dev and i've known probably close to the same amount of time we just haven't talked in a really long time i think it was like last year that we talked maybe well to reiterate i i do remember how i met you aki you know why because i actually have a video uh of when that happened and like in which world it was. It was in the um, the Iris Garden. And you were in desktop. Oh, and then we talked I about now. Idolmaster when it was we first Iris met. Garden. Yes. Yeah, it was Iris Garden. I remember now. I now I remember when I met some of the other people. Yes. I remember that. And it was funny. Did my memory my memory's jogged. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because you um I remember we kind of bonded about the thing uh Idolmaster. So that's like a like a game on on phones, also on PlayStation, that also became an anime. And I talked about how I got not I got like in a small fender bender once where I actually got hit and I was playing Idol Master music, you know, through the speakers of the car, kind of blasting <laughs> it. I got hit. Then I was like, oh fuck, yeah. I got hit. So I put on the hazards, I pulled over, and then make sure that the other guy also pulls over. Luckily I have a dash cam. And the guy comes over and I'm like, oh, I have to roll down the window, but my music is still playing. It's like, oh, fuck, I don't want him to hear this kind of embarrassing music. So I turn that down, <laughs> roll down the window. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I made an accident. It's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, let's just go check it out. And went outside to check it. Luckily, it didn't, wasn't really um, anything serious. It was just like a bunch of yeah. small scratches. You could buff out. So it's like whatever. And just went on our way. Yeah, that was a that was a funny was moment listening. because that that song is now cursed. As in, every time I, I that comes on, I'm like, oh fuck, am I gonna gonna get in another bender? Is someone gonna a, hit me? I have a I have a song that when I got I got in a car accident last year, 
Um, and I have a song from a from like a, a Japanese like kind of rock band that I listen to a lot. Um, it's called Unlucky Morpheus. Um, and I was listening. I know exactly what song I was listening to when I got in my car accident in November. Um, because it was it was it was not like super major, but it was it like totaled my car and everything, so it was considered kind of major. But um, that every time I hear major, that yeah. now, I'm I'm. I'm uh, yeah I'm I'm reminded of that because I was listening to that uh when when I got in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that's actually an interesting topic but I'll go over that later. Uh first uh Devin. Do you know how you met me and do you know how you met Aki? I do know how I met both of you. Uh so scope, you are a friend of a friend, of a friend, of a friend, of a friend of mine. No, she's sitting uh, right. She's sitting so, right next to you. That's that's probably the person yeah. that I met you through. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. So uh, I met you through Aki, mm-hmm. um, and I met Aki through uh, a mutual friend of ours, um, Moe. Uh, and, uh, I met him through, uh, another friend of mine, uh, who I met through a friend of mine who I went to middle school with. So sort of a long, the chain, seven degrees and then middle school and bacon middle school happened because my parents brought me there. So I met my parents at birth and then, you know, (laughs) you can extrapolate it. (laughs) To all the connections eventually, but yeah, I, I get your point. Yeah, yeah. But um, you two were some of the uh, very first people I hung out with uh, fairly regularly when I started getting into VR. Um, because I knew um, the friend of our mutual friend in person. Um, and so it was our mutual friend and that person, uh, in VR. Um, and that's when I, I met you. Um, so because in the beginning, um, I, and I can get into this more, but I, uh, was very socially anxious, uh, early on. And so I, uh, was not interacting with any strangers. Uh, so it was just through friends of friends that i got to know both of you oh uh, okay so yeah you... that's how it kind of is with vr chat yeah go, go ahead there's a bit of like with vr chat you know you kind of i've noticed that when i meet people in vr chat it's kind of like a drip feed almost like it drips you know you trickle through the friend groups and you meet people you know like i've met people even though I haven't been playing VR chat a bunch, you know, the server that I'm in, you know, a lot of people get invited through VR chat. So I, I just like it trickles down. And because like, I mean, VR chat is kind of a small world when you think about it, especially back then. And there's people that you you meet. And it's kind of like a it's like, a, oh, well, you know, I've probably definitely run into you before or something. And I've I've had people have like, oh, shit moments where they realize that they've known each other from another thing or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like VR chat is a really like small world and the chest, everybody like kind of drips into each other with their, with their, um, with their tree of friends. I actually knew someone IRL, someone I had known for like over a year, I found out was in my local rhythm game community. 
and it was just totally by chance and now he's like a really good friend IRL damn yeah I have those yeah, moments as well where I... it's, very, it's a very small world uh, that we live in yeah you, you meet friends to friends and it's like oh you know that guy it's like oh I also know that guy and then it's, it's kind of like real life uh, in that regard but you would expect it to happen less because the fact that you know it's the internet like there's everyone online is like all over the world so the chance of that happening should be less really but i guess if you are yeah. in the same communities as some of these people then you might actually yeah overlap depends on the niche because like you know how depending on how niche your interests are it, you're going to run into people that you know you know, like how niche the community is or how small you're just going to run into people. People are going to run into each other. Mm -hmm. Devin, you want to say Yeah, something? if I were to, I, I could draw a tree diagram of every friend What's I on? know in VR chat. <laughs> and it's, it's all, I met this person because they're friends with this person because they're friends with this person. And if you trace it all back, there are only three roots. One of them is a person I know from the physical space uh and the then realm two we don't are talk people about. i met in public worlds yeah it doesn't exist it's not real while we're here <laughs> exactly well it's that's funny because um th there are some kind of events like if you would draw that three you could actually point out like which people are the most important in terms of like finding new friends and well for example i wouldn't have met you if him if didn't meet aki and probably if I was not online at that time, during that day, because pretty late, I think it was like uh, with Akira uh, or Missing that was there. And then you joined on desktop. I know why you got online um, or what you were expecting at that time. But then you meet a person and then that person introduces you to his friend group and you meet so many more people. So if that person would not be there at that time, you wouldn't have met all these um wonderful people uh, that help at least i have so it's like a, a butterfly effect yeah exactly mm -hmm. when domino falls that's how i you know met the people i mean i got in intertwined with my main friend group that has been my main friend group for almost two years because of someone i knew irl uh, i had met them online through like some like server link thing and then i found out that i knew that they were really close irl like in proximity and i met them and then I met other people through there and it trickled down and I met people through there and I just kind of went down the the tree of people in that community. And now I sit where I sit where I am now uh, at the in the my main friend group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the it's the friend group I spend most of my time with uh, now. Um, I found myself just meeting friends of friends of friends. Uh, and it, during that process, it felt like, oh, this is just going to keep happening. My friends list is going to keep growing and I'll spend a little bit of time here, a little bit of time there. But then just slowly gaining friends like that, you find a group of people that you really jive well with. Um, and it's been that way for like a year now and I haven't moved on. So yeah, I, I kind of you feel find like your people and you find your click. Yeah, exactly. I kind of feel like you are like, there's some people that found their click, found their community 
And then, like you said, then you don't go out to public worlds to meet new people because like, oh, I already have these people. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to have a good conversation. Kind of know what to expect. Um, but you're also kind of missing the intrigue, or like the possibility of meeting maybe even greater friends, people that might be very useful yeah. uh, for certain things in, in the future. Uh, and I've talked mm-hmm. to people about that before. Where they're like, yeah, maybe we should go to a public world. And then you actually go to a public world in VR chat. And then you regret your decision immediately because there's <laughs> people that are just yelling, screaming, well, just crashing your game, whatever. It's uh Yeah. And I've had I've had my own experiences. Like I go I go into public worlds um completely mute most of the time because of my experiences. Mm-hmm. And you know, going to public public instances for my friend group is like people watching pretty much and if we want to find people like we'll find people who have like joined maps that we frequent that are like don't really get many people because there's a steady flow of people in that community that like go to those worlds Mm -hmm. so we meet new people through that or just sometimes we meet cool people by chance but most of the time it's pretty much people watching because it's just it's so that we people watch because you know you you just don't know and the as more and more users join vr chat the climate gets more different with people you know when you have like the boom of people on the quest and stuff like that but most of the time like the friend group that i am in is so large that we get new people introduced just because those other people have their 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 toes in other communities and they they end up talking to us and it just kind of like it just kind of like people assimilate into our group because we have so many people that we meet people through other people's friends all the time. Yeah, so in that case, mm-hmm. they're kind of doing that work for you. Way. So they are actually bringing the friends towards you so you don't really have to go out of your way to try and actively meet new people. But yeah, what you're saying is correct where uh, I have some friends I have also had in the podcast before where I met them in, for example, the near Automata world, the, the flowers map. A lot of older or people that have been on VRChat for a while, they'll actually join these older, not really that known or popular maps because it's just a chill vibe. And the people that come there usually have a similar kind of um, view on life. Or, you know, they're a bit older, they're a bit more experienced, or at least you know kind of what to expect when you go there. And that's also how I met you, Aki. It's true, a world that I liked a lot. And I met some cool people there. So I went there again, and then I met you, and then I met also some other people there. So it, it, that, that really does help. Yeah, I uh, don't <laughs> do basically any public world uh, explorations. Um, but I find that um, what I do do is spend most of my time in Friends Plus worlds. Mm-hmm. So... Friends will, and it's Same here. kind of like the feeling of a public world, except you don't get a lot of six-year-olds <laughs> arriving. There's a filter. Uh, you get a filter, pretty yeah. much. You don't have to worry mm-hmm. about getting harassed yeah. by people all the time, and you don't have to worry about people, you know, coming up to you and saying profane things. And it's mostly just a filter because, like, I don't like public worlds because I just get harassed in public worlds sometimes because. You know, when you're when you're a girl on VR chat, it's proven time and time again that you get people that are just weird. They hear they hear a woman's voice through the mic and they there's like one of like three reactions that you get from it. So I'm just like, I'm just not going to speak. 
I can communicate with full body. I just won't speak. <laughs> well, just for people that are not really yeah. in the know of VR chat, so a public world is a world where everyone can join in the community. You don't have to have a specific friend or anything. No requirements. Well, except for the map requirements. Some maps allow Quest users, people with a Quest headset, uh, and some maps do not, basically. So that is already going to rule out a lot of the um, people that are just going to play exclusively on Quest, which we'll see kids, at least from my experience. Uh, those people eventually graduate or whatever you want to call it to uh, use a link cable or something to connect it to their PC, in which case they can go to more and different maps in the, in the game. And then Friends Plus is, because uh, people also probably don't know the fuck that means, it's where you can join uh, or your friends can join in that instance, in that world, and also friends of friends can join. So as long as there's, I think it's just one hop away from an existing friend, then they can join uh, that instance, basically ba based on the person who made uh, that instance in the first place. Is that, is that correct? Well, well, it's, it's anyone yeah. who is a friend of anyone who's in the world can join. Ah, okay. So basically one person can, can start the friend, instance. Anyone, yeah. yeah, and then a friend of that person, and then a friend of that friend, and then a friend of that friend of that friend. So the worlds can see a lot of people come in and out, um, but it tends to not get to the same level of insanity that a public world can get because it's all yeah. based on well you have to have some bare minimum of knowledge and connection to someone who's already here mm -hmm. it's basically a public instance for your friends list like it's it's a your friends list here's an instance broadcasted to your friends list for everybody in the instance and that's kind of how like invite plus works a little bit because anyone in the instance can invite people so it's basically like free game for anyone on your friends list, depending on your status and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, I think that uh, explains a bit about uh, how we met. <laughs> kind of went on a tangent a bit. But then the next topic uh, would be your guy's username. So... Okay, I know your username changed, I think, a bit over time. Devin, yours has not, mine has also not changed. Could you guys explain um, how you came to have this username in, in the game? Starting with uh, Devin. Yeah, so um, don't dox me. My real name is Devin. Uh, uh, Holy shit, a and, revelation, guys. Uh, Call the police. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I, I Start know where knocking the door is now. Sorry. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, I uh, gained access to the internet in sort of the mid to late two thousands. So I there was all always this sort of air of be careful, don't tell strangers anything, nothing. Uh. So for a long time. Um, I ignored that uh, advice <laughs> because I didn't interact with strangers. I just made my username my name. Um, and then, um, I was going to play Minecraft, uh, with some friends, 
uh, and I had to make a, a username. Uh, and I was in a bit of a rush because we were like, we're starting the server now. And I'm like, oh, I have to make an account. Uh, and uh, just Wait. my name was taken. Wait, so that was so the first time I was like, ah. That was the first time you actually had to come up with a, um, a username on the internet? A username that wasn't just Devin? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because um, Webkins uh, didn't have a Devin there before. <laughs> um, but uh, the... I, so I was there. I'm like, I'm in a rush and I need a username. What do people do for usernames? Uh, I don't know. People do like their name squared, cubed. I'm Devin to the fourth. Moving on. Uh, and that split second decision I made when I was 13 uh, has stuck with me for the past decade. Uh, so. Is, is that yeah. something that you regret? Like, would you like to change it, but it's kind no, of stuck I, now? Because people know you by that name? No, I, I've, I have thought a lot about uh, my username, and I gave it a, a lot of consideration when I was getting into VR, and I knew, okay, I'm about to meet a whole lot of new people. Um, and I decided to keep this username. One, because I already have all the accounts and I didn't want to change it. Uh, but also, um, I found it's just easier for my mental load to have my real name and my username be the same thing um it was very useful recently when i met up with people in real life and they were all struggling like do i call you by what's on your driver's uh, license or what's on the nameplate above your head uh and uh that wasn't an issue for me one name baby <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess that kind of helps. Yeah, I, I have the same thing where if I meet people that I met online first, I would still use their username because it just feels weird using their real name, or I just forget their real name. If we meet up for like a second or third time, it's like, what's that guy called again? Uh, fucking know. whatever. I'm just gonna use his online name. For me, I personally respond to both. So if you would call me Scope in real life, I would respond because I've heard it so many times and I, you know, learn to react to it. So, um. I had a similar thing where I would name myself when I was younger, just my real name and then some numbers because it wasn't unique. Uh, but eventually I, I knew like, okay, maybe I should use a, you know, an alias because it's the internet. You don't kind of want to separate those things and not get doxxed. So yeah, but, but I, I get where you're coming from. So what about you, uh, Aki? Yeah. The, so well, my one other thing I wanted to. Yeah, go ahead say about my oh, yeah, username yeah. is there is one piece i regret about it and that is its length um <laughs> oh, because yeah. uh my username is 16 characters uh and you know what number a lot of websites like to count a cap their character count for usernames at 15 15 oh dude that sucks <laughs> which i don't know can they see my nameplate uh and see that at the end of it, the TH has a little slash through it. That's because uh, my that's one character that I had to pour through the Unicode documents to try and find uh, so mm -hmm. I can fit the whole thing in 15 characters. 
So. Or you could do like two as like an actual two if you wanted to as well. Yeah, two. What I usually do um, is I'll either what when I started VR chat, I fully lopped off the H. Um, but also, what I'll do is I'll do the number four and then th um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this is elegant enough of a solution. So, all right. Yeah. So. My my username, I've had a weird history with usernames. I, I I played a handful of games. I had a username when I was younger, which I will not say because it includes my real name. Um and I will get to why I don't use my real name online. Um I I had that that was given to me by my dad back when I was playing um some games. Uh I played a I played a game. I played like a like a not exactly furry but like an animal roleplay game called feral heart back in the day and that was my username for the longest time and i used that on other platforms on like um yeah and then i used that on some platforms and then i used some other kind of like furry ish sounding you know i was i was into like warrior cats and other stuff so i think i had like i think amber paw something was like a was like amber paw with some letters after it was a common was a common username that i used and some other just like animal-ish sounding names um when i back i've been on like social media for quite a while and i had some other names i used some like kind of like idle maybe like love live related usernames before and back in like 2016 maybe i had the the new username that had stuck with me for a while was uh shikoshi and i it was supposed to be um a combination like a weird like combination uh like spelling of uh a character from idol master that i have has been my favorite for a very long time uh shuko shiomi so it was supposed to be kind of like that and i kept that for a long time because she is still one of my long running most favorite characters but i realized i don't i didn't really like you know i had you know my i i've been going on online i've been going by the name aki since I ever since had that username, so that's like been my longest running a lot, uh, like alias. Um, which I also picked the name because of another Idol Master character, actually. Um, so I've had that nickname. I've I've had that that name that I've used. I don't use my real name online because my real name is very unique and it's like very identi- identifying. So I just don't use it at all. Um, and people do not know how to pronounce it either for some reason. But it still is like similar in like length and short compared to my my real name but um i uh you know people would call me like shoe or something and it's it's kind of weird getting called shoe all the time and when i was starting to interact with like when i was starting when i was starting to interact with japanese users on vr chat um it actually confused some people because it sounds like a japanese word like shukoshi i think it sounds like sukoshi or something it sounds like something like that and uh i was like okay i need to change this so I wanted to keep the Aki so in other names where I can't like because, you know, some, you know, social media has like, oh, you can put a username, but you can put like what you're called by in your bio or in like its own separate name tab. And I had. um I ended up it was kind of like a spur of the moment thing because I wanted to like finally change my name on like one of my social media platforms. And uh, a running joke for a little a little bit was. um that I used to go to like some local like Super Smash Bros tournaments in real life, and I use I, I use the name Aki for an a uh, an alias because that's what I've always used. 
and you know the announcer got on over on the intercom the announcer and he's like uh a key a key uh go to you know station whatever so the guy couldn't even say aki right and i had a that that turned into a joke in a discord server and for years i have had this role in this discord server and i was called called keychain i was called like a like like a keychain because it was a joke because my my name wasn't being said right uh, and my nice. boyfriend of all people he had joined that server way after and he saw the username and he started jokingly like calling me keychain and then like spur of the moment i realized when i was making a new username for one of my socials that i, I could like combine the two and like a keychain like a keychain and it just kind of like clicked it just happened like spur of the moment one day and it clicked and i have used it ever since and it's all thanks to some guy at a Smash tournament who didn't say Aki right, and my boyfriend calling me Keychain for a while just for shits and giggles. And now I've landed on Aki Chain, so my other usernames are buried. I've gone by some other usernames because I used to like stream and all that, but pretty much Aki Chain was like what is like the thing that I have finally stuck with and the thing that I prefer to be called. And it's funny because a lot of people call me Aki in real life in like some local communities. Like I tell people my name IRL, but like people still just call me Aki and all the people I hang out with IRL still call me it. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that's weird that people call you your real name or are you fine with that? No, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, I prefer like I would like to like some other people like IRL to say my name. But like they just say Aki and I'm so used to hearing it all the time because I'm online most of the time because I don't really do much IRL that I'm just kind of used to it. Like I'll respond to it. I really don't care. Like it's such because it's such a short name and it sounds like a real name. I mean, it is a real name, obviously, but it's just it's it's normal and natural and I'll respond to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I met you, you were Shukoshi. Uh, and then i don't know if i'm hallucinating this but i could have sworn the last time i saw you you were aki chan no and i've always been aki chain people misread I it fully a lot hallucinated there's that. an i in there Mandela people effect. because yeah. you know the first name is technically a japanese name because it's aki so people mm. think it's like aki chan but that's like kind of cringy i don't it's not supposed to be chan it's supposed to be chain like a key chain because it's it's a little mm. bit of an inside joke. So that's the that's what it's yeah. supposed to be. Because I have people in like public world call me Aki Chan all the time because they don't read. But I would never go by like Aki Chan because that sounds really really cringy. It's supposed to be like a play on yeah. words, but it is with it conveniently works with the name that I've gone by for probably a decade now, almost. Yeah. Well, Wait. forgive me for being incapable of reading for a year. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's hard to read in VR. Everything's all grainy and small. Yeah, that's true. Well, you actually missed out on the opportunity then because you could put like a keychain on your avatar. Like you could refer to it. I could. You should do that. <laughs> and you could refer to it. And could. people I mean, would I, ask I, like, oh, what the, why, do you, your, why does your avatar have like a random keychain on the side or something? It's like... Well, actually, and then you can go into the story. I like rip out a keychain. I like dangle it. Oh around yeah, to make the sounds. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be funny. So it's like when you uh, when you when you meet someone and you're trying to be a bit condescending and act like they're like a slave or like a dog. It's like, 
like you dangle your keys like at least come here come here oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny you should consider that you said that your dad actually named your online usernames in the beginning yes and he because and it's funny because he has always been really crazy about like online safety but literally put oh, my unique sm- name smack dab <laughs> in my username and that's what was funny about it and i'm like it was it was really funny because he'd he'd say that but then he put my real name in a thing for a while and i'm because he he helped me sign up for stuff when i was younger because i've been on the internet since i was like pretty young and it just it was really funny Uh, to me wait so did you actually when when there's like some pop-ups that say like oh if you're not older than 13 or something please ask your guardian or your parents for approval like would you actually do that when you were younger Yes, because my my dad was very very um like helicoptery about that stuff. I was like monitored, like kind of monitored, kind of not on the internet, like kind of monitored and kind of not monitored. Like you could say pretty confidently that I had like unrestricted access to the internet because I I found some things on the internet that you know we all as younger internet users have stumbled across and other things like that. Totally so wholesome. It's like things, a weird. Right? It's like a. totally wholesome you know but yeah it's funny it was it's a very interesting thing how my dad was always so crazy about that but literally put my real name in a username when he helped me sign up for some stuff when i was younger and i think that username only was for two platforms that i was on Uh, okay well to be fair probably during the time that your dad was looking into the internet it was like the early ages people didn't really know probably now you would know better or oh he may- knew may- maybe yeah, he, he, he knew okay. like he's been building computers he's been on he 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 like knew he's he definitely knew it was just probably a little bit of an unwise decision uh, okay <laughs> did you actually talk about him about that like later on it's like dad i changed my username to this it's like are you okay no with i that? never because i was off those platforms i was no because i i changed them so long after like many many years uh after that it wouldn't have mattered anyways like mm. he pretty much has hands off has been totally hands off on me for many years now. Well, that, that would actually be like a fun thing to check out, to just go to your parents and ask them, hey, dad, I want to create this new online account. Can you come up for a, a name for me and then see what people get back from their parents? Like that would be interesting. Oh my God, my dad would make some, my dad would make up something super inappropriate. I'll say that. He would make <laughs> up something super inappropriate. <laughs> my mother would make up something so cringy. I know it right now. I I can think of some cringy things like <laughs> peace and love. I'm certain she would top it by 10,000 miles. My dad is known for being a bit of a smart ass. And when he plays games, he tries to name his characters like increasingly inappropriate things to see if he can get through with it. He's had a character on World of Warcraft for many years that has not been flagged for name change. Um, it is it is kind of a really inappropriate name. I'm not I'm not gonna say it just because like, but it's it's very sexual. He he likes to make like those kinds of those kinds of jokes and stuff, and he 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 likes to push it just for for shits and giggles all the time, and it's really funny. I I could actually I could totally see that because when you mentioned World of Warcraft and your dad, I'm like, wait, I spoke to your dad before, or like he's. <laughs> like very yes, you briefly have. i had him yes. put on the headset once we were in a world of warcraft world and i put 
I made him put on my headset and he was like, oh, who's this hot chick scope 10 here? And he was just, Hi, it was me. really funny. There's, there's a clip of it. I think there's a clip yes. of it somewhere. Yes, there's but a clip of it. Yeah. He's, he's, he comes down, he comes downstairs and says really profane things while I have open mic on discord all the time. He prides himself in being as inappropriate as possible when my friends can hear it. <laughs> Typical dad moment. Hey, but we love our parents, right? Right? Yes. We are obliged to say this. We are obliged. There's, there's, they're watching. They're like all in, in the, in the public. There's like I a gun pointing at my head right now yeah, from, the, from exactly. the other side of the room. <laughs> yep. There's some snipers in the window. Fully willingly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> we'll talk about that out after podcast. All right, blink also. twice. Blink twice if you're in danger. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you blink twice. Hmm? What? Oh no. Oh no. Shit, we gotta get out Nothing of here. Nothing out of the ordinary. No, it's fine. We'll, we'll keep rolling. We'll keep rolling. It's <laughs> it's it's fine. <laughs> All right. Um Okay, so you you actually came to this, I think it was before the podcast during, I'm not sure. You talked about the things that we are known for. So, well, we have a specific username. Aki's yours is based on the mispronunciation, the keychain. Devin, yours is based on your real name. But is there something that you as a person are known for? So in like your own friend group or your own community uh, or even your parents, whatever you have. Is there something that um, people always call you by this name or this is what you are always known for in that group? Anything that comes to mind? I, I don't have a name. That I'm specifically known for, like no, I don't fame. really get nicknames or anything. Like I get, there's one thing that I am known for, and it's one cosplay image that kind of like took off on Twitter for a little bit. Um, there's some people who might have seen it before. Um, I I do like Toho Project cosplays is sometimes. That, is that image still online? And there's an image. No, it is not. Okay. I mean, it's been reposted, but it's not on my original account anymore. Um. There, I was cosplaying Remu Hakure, and I realized that oh, before we go out, I gotta fill up my gas. So I pulled up to the I pulled up to the pump. You know, my friend oh. was with me because she she was gonna go with me. Wait, wait, and she. Wait, I've seen this image. I've seen this image. You suggested a world. I image? saw that image. I'm like, that's fucking weird. It's like a real when, life image. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, you. So oh my god. The image. The image. Yeah. So the pump, like. The pumps were, there were some people standing out at the gas station, the workers, and they're like, hey, you know, our pumps are having problems. Things are slow, like filling up really slow. I promise you I know how to pump gas. I, I know a thing or two about cars. I'm not stupid. But the pump like overflowed at my car because everything was messed up at the gas station that day. Mm-hmm. Like there was like a massive line. There were people standing out telling us that there were problems. So there's gas all on the floor here. And I'm like not trying to like step in literal gasoline so i'm like stretching my legs all the way out and i'm like hunched over trying to grab the pump so i can put it back in its thing Mm. and my friend just kind of spur of the moment took a picture of me so there's me you know at the side of my car um you know me and a reimu hakure cosplay and i'm reaching for a gas pump and it it like just kind of took off and it's been reposted in places and people like I'll talk to people. So I'm kind of in the community and you're like, Oh, you're that person. You're the gas pump Remu. And I'm like, regretfully. <laughs> yes, I am the gas pump Remu. <laughs> I actually saw that when 
yeah, I went to the world. And like, that's fucking weird. Like I see just digital, like online images and then see one that's he, real life. He memorialized it. My, my, my partner memorialized it in the, in the, in the, the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Technically I could even take a screenshot off the board in the world itself and put that on the screen. <laughs> You could, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, whatever editing cut, it'll be up there for whatever mm. editing cut you decide to make. Yes. All right. So, uh, what about you, Devin? What What are you known for? Well, I I've been sitting here giving it a, as hard of a think as I can, uh, and I'm not known per se too much. Uh, I suppose people know me for. Uh, my unusual hobby. Uh, I don't hear a lot of people uh, saying that they're a hobbyist linguist. Uh, so I, I can, I'll spare y you the intricate uh, details I can go on about the development of the voiceless bilabial plosive into the voiceless labio dental fricative the, and the how what? it happens all the time it happens all the time uh but uh i'll spare you that uh and uh say that in addition to that um i've become known uh there's there's been a joke amongst my friend group uh that has taken off um if you're familiar with uh the vine um where uh the holder of the camera runs up uh to this little girl in floaties on the beach and says happy birthday raven and the little girl goes oh that one yeah yeah oh, well yeah. my friends have been taking to just randomly whenever they feel like it saying happy birthday devin and i always reply with thank you sweet uh but it's quite confusing for people who aren't in on the joke, because then people will always say, oh, it's your birthday. <laughs> and I what I used to do was say, oh, no, it's this joke. And are you familiar with this vine? And uh, and but now I've just uh, sometimes I'll just fully lie and say, yep, and then fully move on. Uh, or I'll be like, well, they're wishing me happy birthday. <laughs> so uh which it's always it's not fun for other people but it is a little fun for me to see people absolutely confused on whether or not it is my birthday oh yeah and just to preface like you're talking about a vine so a video like a short video right yeah that's mm -hmm. for rip, rip yes. vine, that platform yeah exactly so for the people that do not know <laughs> that have been born maybe before vine is like a I guess for now it's like a TikTok uh, predecessor. Fine. It was okay, the it was kind of the, the preface. Well, musically it was technically the TikTok uh, previous. Vines were like six second. They were specifically like six second seven. videos. Yeah. Seven, seven seconds. Was it six okay, or seven? It seven I thought seconds. it was seven. It's six or seven. Crucify me. Uh, I was, I was never seconds. even on Vine. I'll put the number. I, I wasn't either. Part but of the, the specific generation that did not use Vine, never uploaded a Vine in our lives but watched so many Vine compilations on YouTube that yeah. we can quote yeah. an endless number of them. Oh, yeah. Road it's it's under ahead. 10 seconds for sure. I sure hope it does. 
There we go. Oh yeah, I. I <laughs> but yeah, I, how do I know that? Oh my god. Well, there's, there's <laughs> even a meme where people say like, "I'll I'll do it for the vine." Like you'll just do something stupid mm-hmm. just to get you know recognition online. That's what people call us. I think oh, people yeah. still use that nowadays. Like do people it for still the say, or will you do it for the vine or do it for the gram? That kind of thing. That's what people yeah. usually say. Like it, gram as an in Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. But it's mostly you know gonna like do it for the vine. I ain't gonna do it. Pretty much. That's the kind of because it, it was it was a vine, but now people still just say it. It's like cemented in history, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, so some people would actually make that like a personal goal where they, you know, become popular on Instagram or Vine or TikTok or whatever. But speaking of goals, do you guys, hopefully this is not one of the goals. <laughs> do you guys have any goals uh, that you want to work towards? So either on like the shorter term, like a year or like the longer term, like three to five years, if you have thought about that. Yes, I'm, I'm, Throwing you guys under the bus again by not giving you any heads up on this topic. But do you have any goals you want to work towards? Or you're already working towards, hopefully. Uh, I have kind of a bit of a personal goal of, like, mostly as a creator. Um, you know, I have, because I'm going back to pursuing my creative, you know, my creative endeavors as, like, a career now. I'm just trying to um, really catch up on the years that I've slacked off on because a lot of my abilities are not where they could have been because I kind of slacked off on it or I sat on super long art block and stuff and I'm just trying to expand my horizons with like 3D work and stuff like that because um you know it's it's good to be well-rounded and I'm just trying to uh you know just work on myself as an artist and improve so i can uh you know provide like a good portfolio for things and stuff like that that's kind of like my biggest goal is um being better as a as an illustrator and stuff like that so basically and actually finishing my unfinished kit my my unfinished gunpla kits and stuff and not letting them sit to rot in my room well so basically you want to finish off that um uh what's it the degree you're trying to follow right yeah pretty much that and also personally grow as an artist and creator and stuff like that well for me so when i went to college i actually well i could choose a, a bunch of different paths i was debating between two um either uh business it which i eventually settled with or communication multimedia design and that was like more of a uh, a creative thing where you actually get to make uh, websites and the design of it and do the whole design process. But I eventually settled on business IT. Why? Because the fact that um, I would rather keep the creative things as like a hobby and not have them be a, a career. Because basically, that's the question I have for you. Don't you feel like if you would make the thing that you love doing in your free time a career, then you're killing your hobby. You're basically sacrificing it to be work, which would, well, for a lot of people, uh, at least, if they make their hobby their work, it's not really going to be that fun anymore. But I'm not sure how you uh, think about that. Uh, My counterpoint is I have so many different creative hobbies that like, 
you know, the thing that I want to do for a career is not my main creative, like always my main creative hobby, because as I said, I'm really interested in like uh, model kits and other stuff like that. Garage kits, you know, which are which are like anime, like resin cast anime figures that people paint and stuff like that. And a handful of other things that like I have other creative hobbies that, you know, just me illustrating or drawing is not the only thing that I do. And I have other hobbies um, that pertain outside of uh, that I focus more on than art, um, like mm-hmm. some kinds of video games and stuff like that. So it's it's a thing of like, and it really depends on where the path that you build for yourself, because as a creator, you know, I think the death sentence in the game industry would be, you know, it's a bit more safer, but it's almost like kind of like a death sentence is going to work for like a AAA studio. And just being thrown through the ringer for low bud like low quality AAA games and stuff like that. Because like gaming as an art is kind of dead in a sense, as it used to be. And it's it's an industry instead of a passion project for most people, like how it started. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have the people who make names for themselves and they work really hard to create things that are good and work, you know, under indie develop like they're they're indie developers and they, you know, they build their own path. And, you know, you're not guaranteed to have your your stuff go viral or popular or get popular or, like, really gain success. But there are some, you know, there are some indie games that I've played. And there's, um, I guess, one that there's, like, some that particularly inspire me that realize, hey, I could make this. I could make it on my own as a with my what I enjoy doing and that there is a niche for the things that I enjoy that I can that I can create it to be a lifestyle and other people will enjoy it because there will be people that enjoy that niche will enjoy that niche that you're in and you won't have to mold yourself to a degree and be unapologetically what you want to be because there will be people who will enjoy it and appreciate it for those aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something to say for more like a human like a passion project kind of thing. You can sometimes see that also in video games where like this video game is specifically made to make as much money as possible, which is kind of obvious nowadays because of all the uh, all the mechanics to try and squeeze money out of people. And then you have people that actually build something out of a passion, which is just like more traditional, like an older sense of video game um, with n- no or little to no cash grab mechanics. And actually someone that put a lot of effort and soul into their game and not just a rehash of an existing something that's meant something that's meant to be a video game because that's you know video games i think should video games are works of art in their own sense on all different kinds of fronts and and those are the kinds of games i enjoy the most you know like you know, I think everybody can, almost everyone can say the same as that's what they enjoy is something that is a work of art that fits, you know, that appeals, you know, some people like stories, some people like gameplay, some people look for different things in games, but there will be a niche that you can fill. And there, and those niches can go, um, those niches can, uh, you know, go to higher levels, like a great example of like, you know, Yoko Taro's games like Nier Automata, you know, I mean, the, the platinum games, like, combat you know the the combat that they're all known for in those games is really what lifted the niche out of the floor and made one of you know yoko taro's games successful but 
you know, the niche is there and people will appreciate it. You just have to, you know, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I believe also for like even completely different things besides, uh, well, you could also say as an art, like completely different topic, like watches, like you have mechanical watches, you have quartz watches, um, smart watches. Um, in the industry, things like smart watches are seen as like not soulful. Like they're not, they're just made by machines. They're just mass produced. It's not really what watches should be about or are, is, you know, that's not really appreciated. And then you have watchmakers that, you know, do all these kind of little hand polished things by hand. And just because of the fact that an actual human being sat there with like a microscope and like a fucking sand down all the things and put all the small pieces together, that adds more character than something that's just like mass produced or just made to sell really besides. Uh, and then something that's actually made by human is just made for, well, it's also made to sell, of course, because someone's got to pay for it. But usually these kind of things are well, higher price in a lot of these cases. Yeah. And have a, a more rich story behind it, which that's why a lot of watch people will buy these kind of watches just for the story and the, the things that happen behind it. And same could be said for video games. Although, you know, passion project video games are not necessarily more expensive. Quite, uh, quite uh, often, it's actually it, it's the opposite. It's quite the opposite. Yeah, exactly. The opposite. It's cheaper. I mean, one of my favorite indie games that I've played in a really long time, it costs only $25. And I think that's going to be about the finishing price. And, you know, you know, it, it is, I would say, pretty decently popular. And it's not even finished yet. And, and you know, it fits in such a niche, but people appreciate it. And, like, that kind of stuff inspires me knowing, well, the things that I enjoy can make it. And there will always be someone that will appreciate that niche that I do. Yep. And that I can make it in a realm of oversaturation and stuff like that because some people can capture lightning in a bottle like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think that counts for all the industries where the, the human touch, will there will always be a place for that where people value that higher. That's why art, like paintings and stuff, exists is because of the fact that people are willing to put so much money into these emotional values or the stories behind a painting or whatever, or the person that does it. Um, so yeah, that, that I've believed that it will always be a thing, but not to go too far on a tangent, uh, Devin, I think you have been, uh, thinking about this for a long time now or being able to. So what are your, uh, goals on like the short term or the long term or both? Wow. An incredible setup where I'm about to show very little for the amount of time I've spent here thinking. Uh, Sorry. My, uh, I do have uh, some very clear goals for my life. Um, but uh, if, if you'll allow me to get a, a little bit sad, um, sure. I. Uh, currently suffer from severe clinical depression. Uh, so that sort of puts the kibosh on a lot of things uh, that I would like to do with my life. Um, you don't so sound, to be honest, you don't years, sound like someone um, that has clinical depression. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> most people who do don't. <laughs> uh, the 
Um, so my, my goal has been, uh, getting well, uh, and, uh, I have accomplished all of the non, uh, medical routes toward that end. Uh, and so medical routes are where I've had to, uh, throw my attempts, um, which, uh, uh, as a goal, uh, treating an illness is very, uh, can be very disheartening because unlike, uh, practicing, uh, a skill, uh, or making money or things like that, you don't make progress. Uh, you don't get better and better. Um, with, with treating an illness, you just all. have to, yeah, you have to try something and then it doesn't work. And then you have to try something else until you get to the thing that does work. Um, so and it doesn't always work perfectly either. Yeah. It's not always like a perfect yeah. solution. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, well, this kind of works. This kind of helps. It eases the pain a little bit, eases the the burden of it, but it's not really that perfect. But it's it makes life a little more livable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very thankful that I found something that, although it doesn't get me all the way there, has helped. Um, but the um, that has been my main goal is to blow up uh sorry <laughs> uh the vines they're in my brain get them out uh, oh boy. uh brain yeah uh so yeah that that's been my my primary focus because i'm not well enough to work uh and uh believe it or not if you work you can get this thing called money and money lets What's you that? do lots of things. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of money, we're still looking uh, so, for a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this episode episode was sponsored by Mental Health Treatment in the United States. Wait, we don't have any money? Yeah. Oh, that's Not right, because that sponsor doesn't exist. Yeah, I was about to say, which... It doesn't exist. Yeah, that doesn't uh, exist. <laughs> Which mental health treatment uh, in America? Because I've seen so much of it that I don't think there is an actual institution or something really working towards that. Well, I could speak the same for my own country, where because I I have experience with people with depression. I've had depression myself in the past for like a short time. I got over it myself, not through medical means, but just through you know mindset. Um, everyone so, has. So I know what it's like. Depressive points in their life. It just depends on, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah Depression is a, a, that, a pretty, yeah. a, a pretty sticky illness to try and treat, um, due to the fact that it's sort of a a state, a a, a mental state, sort of like a a fever is in the body, where there can be a ton of different things that causes a fever, mm -hmm. and you can't really treat the fever you have to treat the thing causing it depression is similar uh where there are well, a whole bunch of different things that can cause it 
mental health cascades onto other problems. I am so like, you know, not to get like super personal, but I, I, uh, you know, I've struggled with like mental health problems my entire life. I won't, I won't get into it to detract and I won't, uh, you know, tell my whole life story here, you know, my personal deets because it's not really uh, important, but it's something I've struggled very long with for a very long time. And it's, it's very hard. Um, you know, even, you know, you go, you do medication, you go to therapy, you do all that. And it's, it's just, it's a mixed bag and it's a lot of work and it's a really long process. And I think I've come pretty far as a person and I've, uh, you know, compared to the situation I was in many years ago, but it is a very, it's, it is very different, um, for everybody. And it, is it really just depends it's it's not a linear journey symptoms aren't linear treatment isn't linear you know it's it is not easy it's not pretty and it it is a lot to overcome and you know dealing with your mental health as like a lifelong short-term to long-term goal is 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 very reasonable and very understandable and you know, you know mental health is something that is it's it's multifaced and there's a lot of different things that i think a lot of people don't understand about it to a degree and there's a there's a very strong reality with a lot of things and it's a it's a very it's a very it's a very hard thing for a lot of people yeah so yeah for me what um i would advise a lot of people or at least in my case if i would start or if i would like quit my job and I would not even do these podcasts and wouldn't really see my friends or actually have anything to work towards or some, you know, thing to do, then I would just spiral into depression eventually. Because there's a saying that mm -hmm. um, uh, idle hands are a devil's playground. Basically, the, if you stay idle, you don't really do anything productive or anything you want to work towards, then you're just going to spiral into more sinful behavior or you get into depression and I mean, that that's the case that's why i always yeah. try to keep myself uh, occupied with things and if mm -hmm. i wouldn't do that i get in depression but things like goals actually give you something to work towards um with a clear you know and end goal end sight where you can say okay now i met this criteria i've met my goal now i can work towards another one or whatever i believe that um so in this case if your goal is to get over your mental illness I would say try and find something else besides it maybe or at least something else you can really meaningfully work towards for towards and measure the way to a point where you can say okay now I've actually met my goal or not because otherwise if you have a vague goal it's going to be very difficult to actually uh find a way to see okay what progress am I making towards this like your mental Sanity isn't like a meter that you can just like gauge, you know, it's not like a thermometer you put in no. there um, to, to measure your temperature and see like, oh, okay, now I'm no longer sick or whatever. It's like, no, that doesn't exist. So there should be- it doesn't always kind of go to, away, you know, depending. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it can never go away for some people, you know, some, some people who are medically diagnosed with problems and like, you know, me and maybe, maybe Devin as well, you know, it doesn't always go away. But I think one of the most important baseline things is finding a purpose um, for mm -hmm. people to find a purpose because, you know, a lot of people don't. And, um, you know, for the longest time, I didn't really feel like I had a purpose or some kind of uh, thing to have a purpose forwards. 
And, you know, I planned on not even living past like 15 years old, 16, maybe (laughs) for a long time. And now I'm like older and I'm I'm bordering on 20 very soon. And I'm like, well, fuck, you know, things are things are crazy now because it's like I've gone this far and it's like, you know, slowly you find, you know, a purpose of something worth living of worth living or something to work towards because even though it might be very very hard you know it's finding some kind of purpose to keep going because it does get better at the end of the day for sure yep, like definitely. you know the yeah. sun isn't going to explode the sun's going to rise another Not day yet. and i think the most <laughs> the most important thing that i i talk to people about when you know i have these you know occasional conversations with people about is that you have to do take the first steps to help yourself because you know helping yourself is you know wanting to help yourself is the most important thing and wanting to do something because i for a very long time sat comfortable in my own sadness and my felt almost like solace in my own depression and it wasn't helping me for a long time you know going out of your I comfort zone why. to get better and to get treatment is an is incredibly is a credibly hard thing to do and getting help is not easy and it never will be very easy and like just doing you know you know going going out there and doing something to help yourself is the most important thing because at the end of the day the only person that can truly help yourself is you yes within you know your reasonable bounds because we all have our own boundaries we all have our own you know struggles i you know I am okay with certain things to a, a certain degree and a certain bound, uh, certain boundary. Um, other people have different boundaries. It's harder for some people to do things. It's not as hard for some other, and it's just baby steps. You know, you can't compare your journey to another person's journey, and you just have to do the right things for yourself. Yep. Yeah. I. Uh, it's important to me to keep in mind um, the the sort of complexity of mental health and that, like I was just saying, that depression is sort of a, a resultant state that is caused by lots of different things. So the things yeah. that will work for someone will do nothing for someone else. Um, well, so it's, it's and there, there are general healthy environmental yeah there are general environmental medical like yeah and and like you know the things that everyone tells you to do uh eat right exercise just go drink water it'll solve all your problems go exercise it'll solve all your problems no it doesn't it does not i mean it helps there's there are you know science quote scientific you know you know uh proof of you know oh you know working out that stuff's good for you you know doing all those things but there's it's as i as we've said it's not a you know symptoms aren't linear and mental health is a very multi-faced problem with a lot of factors and everybody's different yeah sorry yeah to to yeah so to treat depression you have to treat what's causing it so and those things all help because they help facilitate the body and you know all all of those things you you know why sleeping right and eating right and all of that is makes your body run better uh but if those aren't the things that are causing your dep- depression uh then those are a stepping stool that can help you 
toward getting toward the actual cause. And the the thing that I I get very frequently frustrated with a lot of the the rhetoric around mental health, um, especially from people who have the absolute best of intentions, um, who who want to help other people, um, because there's there's a dark side to that that a lot of people don't realize, and that's if if you're giving advice and you're like, this will do it, this will solve it. Um, and then people do that advice and it doesn't that if, if you're, if you're not aware of that, that can lead you down the path of it's not working. I'm broken. I'm going to be like this forever. It's all my fault. Um, it's a pitfall which, that it's easy to fall down. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes um, it will get so, worse before it gets better, for sure. Because I've had it get yeah, much, much worse yeah. before it gets better. Yeah. So the if I could send a message out into the world uh, for those who are dealing with mental illness, um, know that um, if you're trying, if you're working on it, then you're you're not at, at blame. You're doing everything you can. Um and if things aren't working, that it's not your fault that they're not working. Um it just means that you have to keep going and try the next thing. Um but the the and it's the hardest thing to do, but the important thing is to not give up on that um but for people wanting to help people with mental illness and give advice and things like that um uh my recommendations would be um don't don't present any solution as universal um because of that exact thing I said where someone will try it and think, ah, well, I'm broken and awful. Um, I, I would always present something as a, here is something that might help uh, rather than a, do this wants. and it will work. Yeah. Because yeah, some so people the, just want the other people thing to listen. Is, some people want special, like you want to mm -hmm. listen and understand the person that you're talking to. Because you cannot, you know, you can't yeah. do a catch-all for all problems. And some people just want mm -hmm. list to be listened to. Some people want people to help solve their problems. Some people, it really just depends. You want to listen and understand the perspective of the person you're talking to. Because everyone has very different problems that they're going through. Yeah. You never know more about someone's mental illness than they do. Um, they. They are living in those shoes. They know what they've that have tried. And oftentimes mental illness will make you experience emotions and mental states that neurotypical people just have never experienced. And if you haven't experienced the emotion of feeling nothing, not not boredom, not 
sort of a neutral state, Absolutely but truly nothing. there is no. no emotional state, then it's indescribable. Um, and you like it's the sort of like things like yeah. manic manic states are completely indescribable mm-hmm. too. Like extreme paranoia, extreme mania, like those are like such strong like feelings of thing like such strong like mental states that it's hard to explain to people who have never experienced it because you would think you know you talk to someone who's never maybe experienced something like that and you think well wait how could you be so paranoid or how could you imagine that that, like literally everything in the entire world's after you all at once or you're feeling such strong feelings of you know like you know just insanity that it's like you you think well how could someone logically end up feeling like that? And the problem is, is like, it just, you can't explain it. You know, there might be root causes from like, you know, certain things, there could be something that triggers it. You know, it could be part of, you know, how you're diagnosed, you know, that some people are more susceptible to episodes like that, but it's such a, you know, even just in the general scope of things, we don't understand the human brain. And it's something that you just can't, fully described there might not be any rhyme or reason to what you experience sometimes and it's yeah. just kind of like the, well yeah if if someone uh said like oh i'm having an internal hemorrhage uh you wouldn't go up and say oh well i think that might be caused because you jumped too hard and you should probably stretch a little bit about it um that's insane um because you you don't know what has caused that and you don't know what's going to uh, to help with that because you're not a doctor um not only are you not a doctor but you you're not feeling what that person is feeling to know specifics that you would need to know to treat that and mental health is the same way i always say if you wouldn't do it for physical health don't do it for mental health like to 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 diagnose and prescribe treatment for a mental illness you gotta have a degree to do that um the no one tries to be uh, a junior uh doctor because they know like that's someone's life and you don't know enough about that but people very frequently think that they're uh they can be junior psychiatrist. Um, they they I, know, I oh, took well, one this cl- is caused by psych- this. Yeah. <laughs> I took one mm-hmm. class, psychology mm-hmm. class in college, and now I'm a licensed therapist, and I can diagnose you of your problems, that kind of thing. I've met people yeah. like that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even, yeah. So it's it's a very, the, I feel like a lot of the fundamental issue with mental health in as i see it is a disconnect between it and the the health conditions of the rest of the body um if if people started treating mental health like they do cancer or diabetes or pulmonary embolism or vitamin d deficiency then the I, I I think we would live in a, a better world. Um, the brain also, just does not work how the rest of the body does. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Um, yes, to a degree. So this is know. also what I say is that 
our mental health, like research and treatment, is in the same place our physical health research and treatment was in like the 1920s. Like we're we're getting there. We're, we're beginning to get an understanding of like the basics of the diseases and these things work and these things don't. But we still are lacking a lot of the fundamental understanding of like how exactly does this happen? Um, and and there are still a whole bunch of things that we just don't have effective treatments for. Um, but science and medicine progresses, and uh, I do believe that um, we will get further uh, and further in neuropsychology. Um, but with well, and there's a societal degree that, to it also, as well with yeah. mental health compared to normal. There's a societal degree to it because you know some places, like you think of like an example of here in America, people are taking mental health more seriously. But in places like Japan and maybe some other, you know, culturally wise, because of like cultural things and other societal, you know, it's not taken as seriously, or it's it's way more stigmatized, or it's you know taboo to even talk about mental health like that. There's such a societal level to mental health compared to uh, physical health for sure. And it's changing yeah. and ever, you know, evolving as, you know, we progress, you know, as places progress. Mm -hmm. It's well, um, from my perspective, what I would um, at least say to people. So I've also been in a situation where people come to me to ask for advice on things like even mental related problems. And I don't claim to be an expert. I just give them my experience and see like, okay, this might work for you and you know take it how it is just don't treat that advice of course as like an actual medical device because i'm not i'm not a doctor i'm not a psychiatrist or whatever but it's your own lens that maybe someone hadn't they haven't hadn't thought of previously because sometimes you know mm -hmm. having advice from other people you know sometimes it might open your view of maybe i should look at it this way instead or maybe i should do you know that kind of thing i never thought of that kind of thing kind of uh experience you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, also for me, yeah. um, when I'm trying to help someone with mental issues or any life problems, because I, I, I can try to do that, um, you always have to look at the intent of the person that's trying to give you the advice. If the intent is like, I value you as a person, I want you to get better, I'm trying to help, then that is not from a negative place. They're really trying to genuinely help. But of course, that might vary per person on what they can contribute. To your problem or if they can contribute at all or they give some advice that might be you know completely uh incorrect or invalid for your situation but please do look at the intent that people give you the advice for um that, that that's what i was going to say and also uh i do agree that our knowledge on mental health has that yeah, seems to be kind of skewed based on like physical problems with the body we have because of course it's easier to troubleshoot physical problems than mental problems because we cannot like debug the brain and see what's happening inside so we just kind of have to you know learn yeah. from trial and error um but yeah like trying to treat your own mental illness or life itself or these kind of things in, in the medical um uh, you know medical society medical field things get better over time so do, do keep that in mind when you are looking at uh, these kind of issues like okay they might not be fixed today or tomorrow but you know we are trying to work towards a solution for this 
and especially trying to and you, try and help yourself out and try different solutions. At least be open for um, advice, I would say. Just don't close you off. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. I don't want any help. Like, that's not going to help anyone. You it doesn't to, help. I've, I've been really in that position your- before, and it's it it hurts a lot. It hurts a lot in that position. And I think the biggest thing that people need to think about when they go to get treatment and when they go to get help is you cannot 100 100% fix your problems and you cannot go into it expecting to get fixed like fixed like ooh immediately or even just ever because you will never when you when you live with especially you know medically you know diagnosed like medically diagnosed uh you know mental health problems you know there's no way you're getting rid of that you're just learning to live with it and i think that's the thing is understanding what i think the self-awareness is the biggest thing because even though i'm not you know i've gotten some treatment for a lot of things over the years and the thing is is you know i may not deal with it the best all the time when i do have those problems and i may not be in a state where i want to be but at least i recognize what i have full recognition of what causes how i feel or what causes certain, you know, I guess maybe relapses or something like that. And you just, you cannot go into it expecting your problems to be just poof gone, even if you work on it for years, because it will never totally be gone. And I don't mean that as like in a doomer way. You kind of have to learn to live with it, like how you learn to live with anything else. You know, you can never fully solve a problem. And you have to realize that you are a human being and you are flawed as well. And that, you know, things will never be oh well this is fixed it'll work you know i'll work and you know i'll work on it and then suddenly be fixed one day and there won't be problems anymore it's not like you know like we're working with machines it's just so yeah it's it's so complex of a problem that you can't expect well oh i'm not at this i'm not totally fixed so it's a totally lost cause like it will never be perfect you know you can't you know every single day everything Everything isn't going to be perfect every single day, you know, in your job, in your life, anything you do, there's always going to be problems. It's just how you handle those problems and how you move on from them, because your life will never be 100% free of problems. And you cannot go in expecting being like, oh, well, my life's going to be perfect after treatment or something like that. Like, it will never be perfect. Yeah. And you cannot expect perfection. it's, It's the reason why we talk about men- treating mental health and not curing mental illness uh because the it it's at at the moment with our current medical understanding it's not curable um things are treatable so things there are things that can be done to make things easier but the way your brain works is something you cannot run away from uh it it will be with you always um and that's to not to, to say that it. yeah to that's not to say that and not the 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 issues that it's causing you uh are unresolvable but it is to say that um it's the issues won't go away you it, it's a it's a management thing and anyone who's had one session with a therapist will likely have heard like you know this is not going to be hoof gone this is going to be something that you work lifelong with um for for those who have diagnosed mental illnesses 
yeah. It's all yeah. management and regulation. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, with uh, advice, um, a- absolutely, uh, in, in response to you, Scope, that um, it's important to to take into account where is a person coming from when they're uh, giving a, advice, especially when they're giving hurtful advice. Because uh, I've dealt with a lot of people giving me advice from a good place that is actually, without them realizing it at all, has a lot of hurtful undertones and assumptions. Most um, people don't know. Most and, people are not trying to be yeah. malicious. Most people, you can't assume yeah. that everyone's out to get you because most people have good intentions, just misguided, misguided opinions or misguided, you know, experiences of how to like, you know, they're, they're giving information, a little bit of misguided information. And most people are c- coming from the kindest place they can, but they they yeah. they just don't know. So you can't assume that everyone's out to get you or you can't assume that, oh, these people just suck and they're mean and they're trying to, you know, turn me in the wrong way because it's not the case. People just don't know. You know, most people just are unaware of and and that goes for just a lot of things, even outside of just talking about mental health, honestly. Well, to to not not be the Christian found in this conversation, but I would like to, to that extent... There's a saying for that, which is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And yeah, that goes with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, don't, oh, yeah, don't assume that someone is malicious in the, in the thing they're trying to, to accomplish, at least not as an initial thing. And, and the way to deal with that effectively, I have found, um, is that when someone and yeah this is broadly in life not just in in talking about mental health but when someone has done something that's hurtful to you but they did it out of good intentions and they didn't realize it the thing to do is not to get mad at them it's to say hey that thing you just did was hurtful to me and this is why and if, if that person is your friend and kind to you they will say oh my god i did not realize uh, i i won't do it again thank you for letting me know um you sometimes you'll get some, some people say yeah sometimes you'll get some people who say fuck you um and that's oh, when yeah. you realize mm, maybe they're not the best that's of friends. a them problem not me <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a them problem yeah but most people are reasonable yeah, and be but, like oh i didn't know you know, I'll I'll make sure not to yeah. do that or I'll work on it because people, you know, people can't read your minds and you cannot expect people to read your mind. I was like that at one point exactly. where I expected people to just know. And the thing is, is most of the time, those people aren't going to be thinking about you all the time and they will not remember everything. They cannot read your mind. And you just have to understand that people most of the time just do not know. And they you you just, you know, you tell them how you feel in a nice way. Hopefully they understand and you go about your day. Yeah, the it's so cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. The most the way to solve it's the the turn it off and turn it on again. But for social issues, the thing that solves almost everything is communicate. Just tell the other person what you're thinking and feeling. Um, Communication is so key. And that's just so key. 
So yeah. many stupid big things mm-hmm. could be like so many stupid things could be avoided and solved if people just communicated. But it's not that simple. And that's why mm-hmm. you pick and choose your battles and who you, you know, who you spend your time with and what you want to put your energy into. Because at the end of the day, you yeah. are the most important person in your life and you need to do what's right for you. Yeah. yeah. And-, and I was going to say, uh, in terms of giving advice, um, what I've found is giving advice is a skill and it needs practice. Um, but the people I've found who give the best advice are the people who are the best listeners, the people who will fully like try and get to the root of what's going on with you, who will ask you questions. Uh, and so if you want to be better at giving advice, my uh, suggestion is don't practice giving advice, practice listening. Learn how to live in people's shoes. Learn how to put yourself in people's yeah. shoes. Because understanding a problem from all angles is very important from all kinds of aspects, mm-hmm. whether just it's just an in general thing. You know, looking at everything from all angles, you know, is a pretty important skill because, you know, you can't, you know, taking one side on one thing or, you know, providing just your view of something is not always helpful because people people really need to look from all angles and you know you you take a moment and sit in someone's shoes yeah to to add to that because i've actually had a um uh, a discussion with someone before where they told me something they've not told before it was very um hurtful towards me or like very um it's something basically i do not stand for basically something that just went completely uh, opposed to any everything i stand for and my initial reaction was like no this is dumb like this you shouldn't have made that decision uh and i got mad but then afterwards i'm like okay wait <laughs> i think i fucked up uh then i tried to understand from their perspective so i asked them okay so what is the context of this problem that you're having of the, or the decision you made. I need to know the context in which you were in in order to fully understand um, under which conditions you made this decision. And trying to ask decision, those questions yeah. is very crucial to really understanding what they went through. Because if you look at from an outsider's perspective, oh, yeah. things might seem very black and white. But if you actually get to know the context of like the, the situation the person is living in, the kind of things that went on in their mind at the moment, uh the other reactions of other people at the time if you take all those things into account you get a better picture of what actually happened and it uh, allows you to make at least a better decision on or better opinion on the situation than if you just look at it from an outsider view and not really try and live into the mind of the other person people don't live your life people don't think the way you do People don't, it had, people were not raised the same way that you were. Even if you were kind of raised the same way, there's many different factors. It's just, you know, there's so many different factors. You know, people don't just, aren't just born thinking the way they do. And people aren't born thinking like, oh, wow, this person, you know, like, you know, you could seize the way someone reacts to something and be like, wow, that's so stupid. How could you ever think that? But it's like, you know, they have so many different experiences and, you know, other things that have gotten them to that point in life where, you know, people say things and do things for a reason. And there's a multitude of different reasons. So you, you know, you you can't always assume someone's intentions because, you know, people, people gain the way that they view life. You know, people, 
people gain the way that they react to things because of the way that they the way that they grew up or you know the experiences they've had mm-hmm. and understanding that is the most important part to getting onto a level playing field with someone on how they feel because most you know i i think everybody can agree that all they want is to be understood from and, and that just goes for anything honestly like if you under someone understands then you can start and build off of that mhm exactly well to not go too much further onto this topic because i think I, we already said a lot of things about this uh i do have one more topic at least i want to close off with a bit more lighthearted um so because this was just a topic about um uh, the goals uh yeah well that that's mostly just before the we move on introduction part well yeah one going to close off one last thing i want to say uh which is um if you're uh suffering from any mental health condition or mental illness uh the first thing is you're not broken you're not wrong or bad for being sick uh you you should treat it like illness you you would not be morally bad if you had diabetes or cancer um so know that first of all you're not wrong and, and second of all there is help um and it's just something that takes a lot it's a long journey but you can do it and it just has to happen one step at a time so, mm-hmm. amen to that, brother. Amen. <laughs> amen. Uh, exactly. <laughs> we now end it up. Um, no, so to end on a bit more lighthearted <laughs> note, uh, I want to switch switch up the topic. This is one thing I actually want to ask you. It's not even in my notes. I have like a bunch of topics I can pick off of the list I come up with, and this is just one specifically for this uh, group because you both have experience with this thing. And the audience might not be very aware of this type of culture that has been around for quite a while. I'm actually not sure if it predates the internet, but I'm talking about the furry community. And I've had some people also on before that have uh, uh, briefly discussed this, but I would like to hear your guys' take on it, on um, what the, well, first of all, what is a furry? What does the furry community do? And an example, how do you guys think that that community actually got a foothold in in society? Mm-hmm. Well, mostly online society, I guess, but also carries over to the physical realm. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, first of all, what is a furry? What is a furry? Can you explain a bit about the furry community? Let's get different. Yeah. I, people's yeah. definitions furry? of furry really I don't know, range. Right? <laughs> uh i yeah uh mm -hmm. you can start with your opinion because you are a more from what i assume i think still is active in the furry community nowadays i was active in a very different furry community many years ago so are in people's Mm -hmm. opinions and the way you know there's 
it's such a layered community. So I guess we can start off with how you feel about it or what your definition is and how you are in it as someone who is consistently still a part of it. Mm-hmm. Furry is a... F- <laughs> I, I chuckled at what I'm about to say before I said it. Furry is a fuzzy term. Uh, Got him. It's, <laughs> you oh cannot God. draw... <laughs> You you cannot draw a hard line between what what is furry and what is not furry. Um, it's it it it's quite nebulous, and so there there are a lot of things that people are like, oh, that's definitely furry, and a lot of people, a lot of things that people will say, ah, oh, that's definitely not. But it's the the there's a lot of gray space. In the the most basic sense, a furry is a person who likes and takes a particular interest in anthropomorphic animals. And anthropomorphic animals are animals with human traits. Um, that's a very broad definition. That includes Mickey Mouse uh, and excludes aeromorphs so it's not the most useful definition yeah the thing with anthropomorphized animals is that even before like furry became to prominence anthropomorphized animals have always been a thing from just like a in a in a in a retrospective of history and media anthropomorphized animals have always been a thing because humans obviously gravitate towards things that have human traits so you know people will anthropomorphize animals because you know the because it you know people love animals and i feel like animals are kind of like culturally wise a universal thing you know when you think you know every culture great example you know every culture has the same opinion about like what a tiger is you know what i mean like there's a certain kind of there's a certain kind of i guess maybe you could say vibe or something like that and it's just you know human tend to seek out human traits and things so it's just kind of something that has been common in media for so long from animation to storytelling to writing books novels everything that it is just something that has grown and evolved and changed into its own niches over time yeah shout out to my homeboy anubis og furry uh but uh the uh yeah, so it's definitely been part of the human consciousness for a very long time uh, because you can look back through all sorts of myths and fables and see that we like to use animals symbolically um, to represent certain traits or ideologies or, or things of the sort. Um, and so it is not surprising at all that there are people who would like this and think about this um so the interesting thing is not that there are people who think like this but how the specifics came about not so much furries but the furry community at least in my eyes um and uh there's there's documentaries. You can watch a documentary on the furry community. There's plenty of YouTube. Uh, you can see so many good YouTube essays that go back from the origins of furry conventions to, you know, the communities. But it's such a layered community that you would you would have to be sleuthing for hours to figure out the, the multi-layers 
of the community. Mm-hmm. Wait, so do you actually have a uh, good recommendation the... for a documentary about furries? Oh, there's if one. People want to know. Oh, crap. There's I, one I that I saw a while ago. Um, I don't remember the one that I've watched. Um, but I, I, I think I watched one that was about like the origin of like furry conventions and how they started. I, sw- I can't remember. I would have to, uh, I would have to take a look, but it was mm-hmm. mostly talking about where conventions started and how the community like grew, um, convention wise and stuff. Since, you know, a lot of, you know, furries are one of those few things, you know, you think of like your comic con, you think of like your anime cons, and then you think of your furry cons. Those are like the three sectors of like fan base, well, not fan base exactly, but the the three sectors of conventions that you see that are on a niche level like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I could have come prepared, but did not. Uh, well, actually, I couldn't have come prepared. Cause That's, the me with this That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of this podcast. So I, no fucking preparation. This is not scripted. Not even my intro. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't have a specific one to uh, point you towards, uh, but I would be wary, uh, and I'd, I'd like to get into this in just a moment. But if you go searching for like what is a furry and material like that you'll find a lot of sort of anti-furry propaganda so i guess i'm gonna start exposing my my thoughts yeah so i i think what it means to be a furry in the modern age is to have a relationship and be part of the furry community um, oftentimes, I know for a long time, I considered myself a furry, but I wasn't interacting with the community any. Well, I was interacting in receiving things from the community, looking at art, reading stories, all of those types of things. But I wasn't interacting with people, uh, not even face to face, but back and forth. Um, and it was only then that I considered myself to be part of the furry fandom part of the furry community um and it is like a a detectable shift for me um because the it's the 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 fandom the community that really is the differentiation and so if we start talking about the community specifically then there's origins for that but um it has become it's always been a it's it, been a fandom rooted in art it has always been a community rooted in mm-hmm. art um, um it always has been and always will be when i was part of it as a kid um i was on the art you know i was sharing art you know we it was people gushing over their character designs and how much they loved you know i had my own characters that i made and that was my thing. You know, occasionally I would role play, but that, you know, I was a role player, but I I was really into stuff like warrior cats as a kid. I was like one of those people. I was into wolves in the role play aspect because, you know, role playing an animal is very different than role playing a human. And, and that's kind of what I was always I was like one of the, the wolf girls. You know, you had like the horse girls and you had the wolf girls. You had those kinds of people. And, you know, it's always, though, been a community that has always been really rooted in art. And it is a community that really appreciates art because you see fursuits and that kind of stuff. And it's its own kind of art. And it is always, it will always be and has always been a, a rooted in art. 
because some of the first furry conventions date back to art and that kind of stuff and sharing art and media and all that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I, I'm thinking about it while sitting here and um, I'm thinking about there's, it's not that weird when you really get into it because we talked about like the cultural connotations like why it would make sense to have an interest in anthropomorphic animals and then the other half of it is just a community people love communities people love getting together with like-minded people and talking and having friends uh so the fact that there is a furry community is completely unsurprising um the there are a couple interesting points like how this community really developed as a core portion of the internet and grew up with the internet um by the way don't uh wish for <laughs> uh death of all furries because guess what the internet will go out overnight uh, <laughs> uh yes a lot of important stuff the, you know we have the saying about suspiciously wealthy furries with good jobs so much is gonna fizzle out if you get rid of furries and i think a good Good thing yeah. is, I mean, not a good, sorry, not a thing. A good thing to remember is like, there's always a bad part of a community because I'm not going to get into like the specifics, but you know, people say, oh, you know, these furries are animal fuckers or something like that. And, you know, guess what? There are bad people like that, but you can also look at the anime community and you can see all the people who are like lolicons and basically pedophiles. And it is on that exact same caliber of, um, you know, Know, the same caliber of stuff with furries like you can it it is there's a bad part to everything and there are people you know you can you can equate the really bad part of the furry community to the really bad part of the anime community in that level of you know sexual deviance of how people you know say that i mean it's not i mean it's it's obviously you know sick i think we all here have common sense that you know that stuff is illegal and bad but it's it is not a yeah. you know you can't just say oh all furries are you know animal you know they want to do that kind of stuff because they don't you know i was like you know i so i was a I kid do... just drawing animals as a kid because i enjoyed it i never even thought once yeah. about doing that kind of stuff because i'm not you know that way <laughs> yeah and i do want to talk about where i think this sort of come the 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 hatred toward the fandom because um, if you've been on the internet, you've probably seen like way more so than anime fans or comic fans or sports fans. There is, and uh, maybe I've, I've seen less of it nowadays, but historically there has been a strong anti-furry presence with just an immediate negative reaction to them. Um, people constantly being hazed and harassed for being a furry. Um, and I think this is just something from very early in the internet that got kind of rooted into internet culture. And that is furries are the punching bag of the internet. They're sort of the, it's always been a the thing. minority. It's that, kind of oh, always it's been okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to make fun of furries. They're furries. Uh, they deserve it because uh so the because furries have always been the acceptable punching bag for the internet there is so much hateful and malicious stuff out there about them which is 
a lot of the times flat out false and when it's not false is completely uh inflammatory and exaggerated a, a, a very large portion of the time um the the i honestly talking to people and being a furry i have found that most people are pretty neutral on the matter if they're not a furry uh but the there just is a, a history of trolls on the internet uh wanting to to pile up on one specific community and furries are that one specific community lucky us <laughs> and i know people um, i know people who have had ex- bad experiences with furries like i know people oh i hate furries because of this one person but they're for reasons totally other than the fact that they were a furry and i i don't blame them to a degree because a lot of people you know i some people have media ruined for them because of people like i have some things that are ruined for me because of fandoms but you know you it goes for pretty much anything that you cannot lump an entire community together because of bad apples. And I will admit, you know, there's some really bad people in the furry community. There's some really bad people in the anime community that people, you know, we condemn those actions because they do not represent us. And those are off on their own. They are off on their own sector of, of degeneracy, I guess you could say, because that doesn't just because we, like you know anthro animals doesn't make us you know because i always see people constantly saying well oh you want to you want to fuck dogs don't you and it's like no i don't like it's it's just it's a it's a very it's a very tunnel vision it's a very so tunnel vision of a mindset it's like people you know who say to anime fans oh you know you like anime girls what are you like do you like little kids or something because some people think that as well and i'm like no i'm not that there's people who are like that, but don't lump them in with me. There's always bad people everywhere. And there always have been and always will be. And it is a pretty narrow-minded mindset to it's a it's an it's a it's like tunnel vision, you know. If you can't see past the fact that there are multi-layer, you know, there's these layers to the community and the bad people will always exist. And 90% of the good people, you know, 90% of the community are going to condemn those actions and you know, not want to associate with that. Ninety yes. percent is a low estimate. Ninety nine point nine percent. The the thing is, I've, I especially found with the furry community because there is so much false accusation of these things. The furry community is very actively self policing. People will get piled on if they. I, I don't want to make it sound like an authoritarian regime or something, but we're not tolerant of uh, abhorrent behavior. Um, we, we, it's, there's that, no room for that bullshit, being said, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That being we're said... We're protecting our community. The, yeah, exactly. But that being said, the furry community is, um, while completely intolerant of those things, a, a very welcoming place i've found there are a lot of people who maybe because of this large backlash have come to really be supportive of one another uh in this community in a way that i haven't quite seen in other communities but you know i'm not uh as deep into some other communities um 
and uh the i i find that excellent um but i actually had an experience when i was first getting uh into vr that so i had been a furry for a while and then i saw this thing and i was like oh i get it i get why someone would be like i hate furries um and that was i was in a public world and there were these two furries who were together and just were hugging and growling and and that toward toward one another and it was a lot um and it it was off-putting and i understand that that's off-putting and it's because it would be off-putting to anybody were yeah yeah because within the community we're very uh affectionate toward one another and we have that high degree of comfortability so if you go into any space where people are being incredibly casual and comfortable with one another in a way that is not your mode of being casual and comfortable, it's going to be very off-putting. Um, and so because furries do a lot of what they do on the internet, a lot of their more casual, comfortable, personal stuff is visible to the wider world. Um, and it goes, so it goes for the I, outside of the furry yeah. community, too. I mean, like you see, you know, you go to, I mean, anyone who's familiar with VR chat, you know, you, there's that population of people who use TDA avatars and, you know, have a little too much PDA and a, and a public black cat. And that goes the same, you know, that goes the exact same way. You know, there's, there's people you, you know, the people that you meet in VR chat and a lot of the people that you interact with aren't like wider involved in the community. There are people of similar interests interest in a small group acting the way that they're comfortable and you know you get a perception of said community or said kind of thing because you see how those people act you know within that community but you know that's not always the you know that's not always the case for the wider community and that just goes for anything this is also just general speaking well for for yeah. me what i what, mean think about if any my... random stranger right. came out off the street and into your friend group's discord call and listened in uh they would think you're insane probably they they would oh, yeah. think you're 100%. very concerning um and so when you see furries being weird and furries are weird and do weird things oftentimes that that's the explanation it's uh, among friends so yeah, so my opinion on um, on the furry community is much like any niche community is I will take the piss out of anyone for doing weird stuff, even anime people or furries or doesn't really matter for me. Like there should at least be some banter allowed. But like you guys said, there's definitely a spectrum of people within the community. Like some people that are just like lightly into it and like maybe look at the art or they, they like anthropomorphized characters. And like they, they completely off end the extreme end of the spectrum might be people that yeah they they think it's fine to to fuck furry avatars or fuck uh animals even like that yeah that's too extreme like there's a there's not many people there and yeah those people obviously they get hate but to clump in the extreme end of a spectrum yeah. with everyone else on the spectrum that doesn't make any doesn't make any sense from my experience when i talk oh. with um a lot of like furries I see online, it's like, okay, this person has 
a furry avatar. So they might probably dare a furry, like can can safely assume that. So then you go talk with them. Well, um, and-, and then from my experience, it's actually like always been very pleasant. Like they're always nice people. You can just talk with them normally. You can even talk about things Same not here. related to, you know, their fandom. Um, even though, like you said, there is indeed a, a prejudice from the internet and internet culture from the beginning to have um, some bad views towards furries. And that's initially how I, I was, how I started as well. Like that's my, the stereotype you get into. But then when you finally actually start talking to these people, like they're, they're you know, there's a human behind it. There's a person behind it. If you start talking with them, then you notice like, oh no, these are just normal people. Like they just have, they are just involved into this community that might be weird for you or you don't get it. And it's like, that's fine. Like we, we all like different things. Um, but yeah, they do get clumped in. Um, they get a lot of hate on the internet, which yeah. The, the, yeah. I, I guess people really have to experience that themselves as in like try and talk with one of these people on the more normal end of the spectrum, yeah. of course, to really get to know, like, oh, no, actually, this is fine. And sometimes you meet bad people. Like, it just happens. But, you know, it, it goes for the furry community and for literally everything else. The 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 most extreme outliers usually are kind of the loudest, especially online. You know, you see Vocal this with minority. everything. The extreme outliers that everyone hates are all the, the loud, you know, the, the extreme minority is always the loudest and that's that's then where people lump in things because most people are like no this isn't what it's like you know and you know people do have bad experiences and that's okay you know i'm there's you know it's valid if you've had bad experiences because i've had bad experiences with people from like other fandoms and now like great example something like danganronpa is entirely ruined for me because of other people like i've had so many consistently bad experiences for so many years that i cannot find any way to like enjoy it because all i think of is the experiences i had because it was to like a it was like a crazy degree because you know danganronpa was its own like cultural thing on like the tumblr space and all that and like in some sectors of like instagram and all that but you know you can as it goes back to you know what we've been consistently saying you cannot lump in the loud outliers in with the general community because it's just rude and it's mean and it's a bit narrow-minded because you have to you know you have to you have to take in time to understand someone as a person because not everybody thinks the same Mm-hmm. Well, even to give um, a more normal community, normal, whatever you want to call it, um, in perspective. So I also partake in the car community. And from my initial impressions of the car community, it would be like, oh, these people like loud exhaust and like making their car look very ugly and tacking on all these 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 weird uh, like big ass spoilers and body kits and everything. And stre- screaming colors. Like, oh, it's a race car, bro. Yeah, exactly. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, those kind of people. <laughs> um, that that was my initial thought going into that, and I actually attended some events uh, last year, like a couple events. And first, I started out actually with just a small community that I'm in of the the brand of car that we have. Then I branched out to a bigger event of that community, and then uh, eventually to a uh, because of a Japanese car to a Japanese uh, car event. So that's like everyone of all different kind of car brands that are Japanese will be there. Um, 
So I kind of get to see like a like a more extreme steps each way. So first it was like a meetup with like three other people with the same brand of car. Then it's like a bigger meetup of like, I think it was 80 people or something. And then you have the big car event itself. You have a wide variety of people. And you'll see those kind of people I just talked about that just make fucking neon under the car. Like everything, you would say, why the fuck would you do that? You would see those the at the stereotypical event. car guy that everyone hates. Yeah, well, we we don't hate those kind of people. It's just like we would never do something oh, yeah. to that to our own car. But if you actually, you know, start talking with the people there, then it's like, oh yeah, some people just like to drive on the weekends with a, a specific car or a special car. Some people are like even were mechanics and they like the brand or whatever. They like the car, so then they got into the car community, which makes sense. Like you work on cars, you're into cars. Why not join a car community? And it's really refreshing to talk to those people uh, themselves. Um, even though you kind of get biased towards a stereotype or like you get influenced by it in a bad way. But I do find out that even if you have these kind of prejudices against a certain community, try and talk with some people. Like really like people oh, say yeah. like do your own research and this is very cliche. But in this case, yes, go there and actually talk to people and see how it is. Because you might be surprised. Like, it might actually be a, a nice experience. At least it was for me. So it's a way yeah. to... Because people to have, like, questions. a stereotype of... People have, like, stereotypes of how, like, guys with, like, JDM cars are. But I've met some yes. cool people that are into JDM and all that. Because, like, when you think... Usually, you know, there's there's that sector. So, like, people... You know, you, you just meet people and you you see what's different. It just pretty much, you know... The, the things we say can be applied generally to all kinds of things, you know? Mm -hmm. All communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just exactly. a quick rule of thumb. Uh, talk to people of any community or minority or anything like that. Or in general, you believe talk to people. The, the stereotypes that go around. Yeah. Uh, about that. Yeah, it's just... They're, there are many different reasons, most of them bad, why stereotypes form and continue to exist. Um, but uh, almost never the reason that they form and exist is because they're true. So, Well, they might be true, but like you said, it's like the vocal minority that's going to dictate the stereotype of the entire group. Like the bad apples are going to ruin it for, for everyone. That's basically how it... You know, the, like, yeah, like, oh, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Or, you know, these people, these people are, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, well, those are the guys that ruin it for everyone else. But that goes for quite literally everything in life. It just goes for everything in life. Exactly. Yeah. Generalizations are, yeah, it can be sticky and not, not great. Um, the, you you'll often find the the picture you have in your head of any type of person is not really what any person who is that type of person is like so it's honestly best to operate on a person by person basis rather than judging anyone because of any group they belong to or trait they have or anything like that <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly uh and i think 
that those are nice words to close off the podcast with because we've been going on for a while. I don't actually know how long. That's more than two hours. Uh, if I can guess. <laughs> there goes my editing. Okay, that's going to be fun. Anywho. Um, Making more it, work for you. Making more work for you. Yeah. Oh, my God. These Good luck things, trimming this down. <sighs> yeah, thank God. This is going to be... Uh, uh, it's gonna be fun I, th- I feel like the podcast it started with like an hour like just some inside baseball it started with an hour and i was like okay i do an hour long podcast and you know that's not too long you're not gonna bother people for too long as well and the editing is not gonna take uh, forever so that's how i started then i was like an hour hour and 10 minutes hour and 15 minutes hour and 20 hour and 20 hour and 30 hour and 30 and 40 and now it's video which i have to do less editing in this one because um, I'm not going to edit the audio specifically, like cut out all the ums and the, the, the likes and whatever, because it's going to take, you're going to see all those cuts in video. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, and the video and audio portions or uh, podcasts are identical except for the intro. So I will have to do less editing on the audio part, but I do have to cut some uh, dead space or cuts that we make during the episode where we say, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Luckily, it doesn't happen that often, so that's fine. Um, but I do want to keep the podcast to Actually, a reasonable I'm I shouldn't amount. have said everything I said during this entire episode. <laughs> Can you cut it all? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll cut out your perspective. I'll just, I'll just do a block, you know, black block. Just mm-hmm. the ether. It's like, there's no one here. It's black block, yeah. 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 Pull, pull the Her Joseph Stalin on changed. me. Airbrush me out of the photo. <laughs> yeah. Change change your voice and block out your face for privacy, and yeah. <laughs> well, if you would move out of the frame, and I just have the same frame already in the thing, I could just layer that over everything, and then it's just like, there's just empty space. This is muffled sound coming from it. Just just ignore that. Ignore that part. Uh, no, but um, but I would like to wrap up the podcast. So I would like to thank the listener uh for listening the viewers for viewing the podcast if you stick around to the end um i would like to give at least the guests a closing word and then we're going to say our uh, our goodbyes so do you guys have any closing words for the audience uh i personally don't have any closing words um you know the things that i've wanted to say have been said within you know the topics contained. reasonable time um <laughs> Yeah, pretty uh, much. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Devin. Uh, things that I wanted to have said have mostly been said too. I suppose just uh, that's good. As cheesy as it is, keep your heart open to your fellow people. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a good way to end it. All right, so with that. And uh, try to tahin in dairy foods. <laughs> it's a good spice. Put it in dairy. It works well in dairy. Okay. <laughs> T-A-J-I-N. For, for people that, uh, that are looking for that kind of advice, yeah, sure, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Anywho, um, if there's no further clo- closing words, I already said my, my, goodbye, my closing words as well. So with that, again, thank you for listening. Second round, and I'll see you in the next podcast. Peace out. Goodbye. Goodbye.